Okay, if you would take your Bible and turn to 1 John, chapter number 2. First John, chapter number 2. Going to be reading verses 12 through 14. First John 2, and beginning at verse 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. The title of the message this morning is, Remember What You Have in Him. Remember what you have in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have to have in, in our possession and that we can read and study and meditate upon and consider. I pray that as we look into the word of God today that we'd quiet our hearts before you and allow you and, and to speak to our hearts and have your will and way and maybe you be glorified uh, through it and in our lives and may we be helped and our walk with you. And Lord, we do pray if there's any in our midst this morning who do not have that assurance of relationship with you through the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood, I pray that the Spirit of God would work in their hearts this morning, convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come, and bring them to repentance. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You remember what you have might seem an odd title to this passage, but as you consider what the Lord has inspired in the written record. If you notice his verses 12 and 13, he says, I write, I write unto you. And then in verse 14, I have written unto you. The truth of this writing will never need to be rewritten, for it is eternal. It is eternal. It just needs to be remembered. It's not going to change. You know, we... We change, people change, the world changes, and we're living in a changing world, do we not? But the eternal truth of the Word of God never changes. It is, the interesting thing is, it's always applicable. You know, I've had people say to me, Jason, is the Bible really relevant for today? And the answer is yes, it's very relevant. It speaks to the issues of the day. It has simple solutions to the issues of the day. The problem is we're like Israel of old that said to Micah, prophesy ye not. We don't want to hear your prophesying. Prophesy ye not. So as this morning as we consider this, we're going to look at little children. We're going to look at young men. We're going to look at fathers. That be us old men. Um, and, and, you know, and really we're looking at every class, age in, in, of society. So first of all, remember as little children, number, remember, we need to remember as little children, we need to remember two, three things. Number one, you're, you are forgiven of your sins. Notice in verse 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Now this seems rather elementary, but after all, he's talking to little children. The, the word little children 
It's used twice here. The English words, little children, is used twice. However, it's a different Greek word each time. The reference here is refers to those just saved. Little children means is technion. You might is the way you pronounce it in Greek. It's used as a term of the, of a, a teacher addressing his disciples. It's referring to little children. Uh, in Galatians four nineteen, Paul said, "My little children, of whom I travail and birth again." until Christ be formed in you. So he's talking about just newly saved. We're not talking about newborns like, like little babies necessarily. These, these, are, these may be adults that have just been born again of the Spirit of God. You know, and this is where relationship with God begins. We're born into the family of God, and our sins are forgiven us uh, when we are born into the family of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, and verses 5 through 7, Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and he said this, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace." Colossians 2.13 says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So when you remember, little children, you're forgiven of your sins. If you've repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you've been forgiven of your sins. Uh, And you've been forgiven for his name's sake. It's not for your sake, it's for His name's sake, because of His name's sake. It's a gift God has given to you. You Romans 5.17 says, For if by man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. See, the forgiveness of sins is a gift. You aren't forgiven because of your sake, because of what you have done, because of your efforts. No, you're forgiven for His name's sake. It's a gift of God. We know Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, God's forgiveness is not found in us. It doesn't come by degrees well, you know, we're, we're just getting gooder and gooder. No, it doesn't come that way. I know that's not good English, but I said it on purpose. Well, I was talking about the country preacher. I mean, where he, back area is country preacher this morning, so maybe that's good country preaching. I don't know. But, you know, it's not because we get gooder and gooder or better and better. Sounds better. No, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, the Apostle Paul said. Y'all say that to yourself every now and again. That in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. It's Christ in me that is the hope of glory. It is not me in me. So, you know, you have been forgiven for his name's sake. Remember that. Remember that. And remember, he reminds us also that we need to remember that ye know the Father. If you notice in verse 13, it says, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because I have overcome the wicked one. You have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known 
the Father. Now here this word, little children, is translated padion, and it's used of of the uh, it's used where the where the use of the mind is required. And the idea is here that they need some instruction. They need some a, a child that needs some instruction. Little ch- John uses you know different words here in verse twelve thirteen, but the emphasis here. The emphasis in verse 12 has more on the child's relationship and dependence on a parent. Verse 13 has more of the emphasis on child's immaturity and need of instruction. For example, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20, the Bible says, Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. In other words, you need instruction. You need instruction. In John 21, verse 5, Jesus said to the, said unto them, you remember me and Peter and the disciples that said, we're going fishing. You know, I mean, he's been crucified. Yeah, we've seen him, but we're going fishing. You know what, you know what they really meant there? We're going to kind of forget about this ministry stuff. And we're going back to fishing. They had left that. They had left their nets and followed him. But Peter says, I'm going fishing. And the other said, we're going with you. And when Jesus arrives on the shore, he says to them, you know what he says? Children. These are adult men that have been, that have been, been listening to him teach for three and a half years, have been discipled by him. And you know what he calls them? Children. You know why? Because they needed some instruction. They needed some instruction. He says, children, have you any meat? You know, do you, ever, do, you ever, do you ever feel tempted to tell somebody, I told you so? It's almost like Jesus is saying to them, I told you so. Hey, children, do you have any meat? Because we know they fished all night and they caught nothing. Self-effort is worthless. That's the lesson here. Self-effort is worthless. And he's saying, look, you need some instruction. And, of course, they answered no. You see, Jesus had had said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Forget about this fishing for fish. See, children, that is a newborn Christians, need to be instructed concerning the nature and will of God for life. No. You know, in contrast to the false wisdom of both Jews and great Gentiles, they need to understand the nature of God the Father, especially God's holiness and, and His redemption of men. And, and so, you know, he says, You have known God the Father. You have known Him. You know then that God is holy and His desire is, His love to you was manifested the person of Jesus Christ to redeem you, redeem you from sin, to save your soul from the condemnation of God, from the judgment of eternal hell. You know, God so loved the world. See, they need instruction in this. And God is speaking to us through His servant John that we ought to remember God's love was manifested for the forgiveness of our sins. Back to look at chapter 2 and verse 2. And He is a propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 
Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being, for it is written, Curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. Remember, little children, you have been forgiven. But you know what? You need instruction. You need what they call discipleship. You know, when I left the Mennonite church and started attending the Bible church and then Baptist churches, I began to be instructed in things I never heard from the Word of God before. And as I compared Scripture with Scripture and studied the Word of God, I began to be established in sound doctrine. You see, what I needed was instruction. I need instruction. Children need instruction. And that brings us to the second group, and that is the fathers who are to instruct. So fathers, so, so little children need to remember that you need instruction. Fathers, they says fathers, we need to remember him that is from the beginning. Notice verses 13 and 14 again. I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have known you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. Notice he says the same thing twice about fathers. Now, when, when, when you're speaking about fathers known him or knowing him from the beginning, it speaks of one who has an experiential knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The knowledge gained by, not only just by by learning or listening to somebody else, but experience, through experiences. In other words, they just don't know about him. They have walked through some valleys with him. They've been on some mountains with him. They have been through some battles with him and bear the marks of battle. You know, just like Israel that went through the sea with him. Or pass through the wilderness, learning hardness as soldiers of Jesus Christ. You know, that crossed the flooding Jordan River, that conquered Jericho. Experiential knowledge. In fact, look at Judges chapter set, uh, 2. Judges chapter 2. And verse 7. Judges 2 and verse 7. The Bible says in Judges... 2 and verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. And notice this phrase. Who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. In other words, they had, they had gained experiential knowledge. They had experienced the battles, the trials, the tests, the obstacles that they couldn't, the, the things that they couldn't solve, the problems they couldn't solve, and, and saw God work miracles. They experienced all that in their own life. And it says that they served the Lord all their days. They had seen the great things the Lord did for Israel. Verse 8, And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. They buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Heres, in the Mount Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gash. And also, all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam. You 
Look at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 12. Galatians 6. I'm not sure I have the... Oh yeah, Galatians 6 and verse 12 says, As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution of the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, they may glory in your flesh. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. As many as walk according to this rule, that is, a new creature, uh, according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. You think maybe Paul had some battle scars from fighting the good fight of faith? You know, beaten with rods, shipwrecked several times, received 49 stripes, three times I think it was, Stoned and left for dead. You think Paul had some marks on his body? Not to mention the fact the burdens and the care of the churches and those and even the, the, you know, the Corinthians and the Galatians. He's writing to them with a heavy heart because they, they seem to be turning away from the truth. And, and all those things would weigh on him. You know, if you are saved any length of time and are serious about obeying God, the Lord's word, you will have some battle scars. You will have some battle scars. Yea, and all who live God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, the Bible says. People will hurt you. They'll say things falsely against you. They'll try to hinder you from obeying the truth. And sometimes it's your friends. You know, Matthew 5, 10 through 12 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before, uh, before you. And so, you know, we're talking here about when he says, You have known him from, that is from the beginning. You've had a, a life of knowing the Lord and you've had experiences where you, where you walk through the valleys with Him and, and through some trials. It's a spirit, experiential knowledge. And notice the second thing we, we, that we fathers need to remember is fathers are to transmit, transmit the experiences of knowing Him to the younger. To the younger. Again, verses 13 14. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. You've known from the beginning. The word fathers here is used metaphorically as the originator and transmitter of anything. He's the author of a family or a society of persons animated by the same spirit as himself, 
one who has infused his own spirit into others. Into others. Who actuates and governs their minds. So, so the idea here is, a, is, a, is a figure, an authority figure, an elderly person, you might say, or you know, he doesn't have to be old necessarily in age. You know, Elihu was smarter than the, the three older guys that came to see Job. He gave some wise counsel. The other ones were just, just tore Job apart. That's all they did. Criticized. But but these speaking of someone who who has experienced spiritual knowledge in the things of God, and he's going to pass that knowledge on to those coming up after him. He's going to use it to try and train them and govern their minds to think rightly. You know, these are you might be called the directors in the fight. You know, like the generals of the army. They don't actually do the fighting. They do the thinking. You know, the fight the ones who do the fighting are the young men. We're going to look at that in a little bit. They're the ones that do the, the fighting are the young men. But the the fathers, they direct the young men as to how best to fight. How best to fight. You know, the Bible speaks of Abraham this way. Romans 4.12 says, And the father of circumcision, to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. So, so again, Abraham passed this on, this idea of believing God and, and demonstrating it by acts of obedience. That's what belief really is. It demonstrates itself in acts of obedience. Abraham demonstrated that and passed it on and instructed his children after him. He commanded his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord. In John 8, 38, Jesus said, I speak that which I have seen with my father. So the father, what he's seen with his father, and the same idea which we are to do, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. He was telling the Pharisees, you're doing that which you've seen of your father, the devil. He's a liar and a murderer. And that's what you're doing. It is the natural inclination of children to follow their father. Father's Day, we talked about the glory of children is their fathers. And so fathers are to transmit the experiences of knowing God and the experiences of going through the battles, valleys with him. You know, in 1 Kings 12, we have Rehoboam uh, is, is, comes to the throne after Solomon and his father is dead. And Israel comes to him seeking some relief from tax burden. You know, it sounds like it's a good idea for today. You know, seeking some tax, tax relief from tax burden. Good luck with that. But anyway, so they, they come, to, come to Rehoboam, and Israel does, and they, they're seeking some relief from tax burden. So he asked the older men that were his father's counsel, what should we do? And they said, he, they told him, look, if you listen to this people, and you ease the burdens that your father placed on them, They'll follow you. They'll serve you. Uh, so he, 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 uh, he, okay. So then he goes to the, the young men that grew up with him. He said, what do you think we should do? And they said, you should 
tell them you're going to be my little finger is going to be thicker than, you know, my little finger is going to be thicker than his loins. In other words, I'm going to make your burdens greater. You know, he forsook the old man's counsel and asked the younger men who were looking for a fight. That's the appearance they gave. They were just looking for a fight for any cause. It's like some groups we have in our country today. They're looking for a fight for any cause. They don't even know what they're fighting for. And it's irrational counsel. And guess what? They got themselves a fight. See, they didn't listen to the generals. They didn't listen to the generals. You know, young men sometimes underestimate the power and craft of the enemy. What's the fathers who have been through the experiences of life? They gain some understanding into those things. You know, Psalm 70, go over to Psalm 78. Psalm 78 tells us, the fathers, that we are to instruct. Psalm 78, in verse 1. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. See, fathers need to instruct and demonstrate to the, to the younger, that God's promises are true and that He is faithful to keep His promises. You know, you may be financially stretched and you may think, well, I need to work Sundays and I need to work Thursday nights. But the truth is, if you make the Lord preeminent in your life and you seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and not the things of this world, God will supply your needs. If you give God what is His, what is rightfully His, God will take care of your needs. He didn't say your wants. There's many a time we've done without our wants. But we had our needs. You know, you may have to do without some wants, but it will increase your faith and confidence in seeing God supply your needs if you take God at His word. Your children need to see some of those experiences. They need to see us struggle through some battles of life, of faith. They need to be trained how to fight. You know, when young men join the military, they need to be trained how to fight. You just don't run out and start shooting people. There has to be formation. There has to be a battle plan. There has to be a a wise use of the the munitions you have. You need to be trained to fight. 
And our young people need to be trained to stand for the truth and how to stand. You know, sometimes parents can, can so overly protect and shield children that they never learn to withstand the criticism of the world. Or stand alone. To be different. And if you're going to live for God, you're going to be different than the world. You've got to learn to stand alone. You've got to learn to take some criticism. To be mocked. To take responsibility for their errors. You know, if, if we as parents shield them from all that till they're 18, 21, they, then they face the world. They don't know how to do it. You know, the Christian school movement created a bubble environment, and then the homeschool movement can do the same thing, can create a bubble environment. I fear that sometimes young people don't know how to endure living in the real world, making a living, because they've been too protected. See, fathers, we fathers need to instruct our young how to fight the good fight of faith in the world. In the world. We're going to live in this world. How to stand through the experiences of life on the foundation of Christ and His Word to rest on His promises, to trust that God will keep His promises. That there's a higher authority than the authorities on earth that we must give an account to. And though it may be acceptable in the world to do certain things, it is not acceptable with God. So fathers, transmit experiences of knowing Him, of seeing God work. And you know, that, that many times tries us or puts us in a place that is uncomfortable where we, don't, we, we can't see the solution. We can't see how God's going to work this out, but we have to trust Him and allow Him the opportunity to show Himself strong without compromising and working it out on our own. I remember we had an evangelist years ago when I was in Maine. No, it was at a camp. One of the camps I had. And he was, uh, he had a travel trailer and the refrigerator went out. And he had children, I don't know, they were about this big. And he said, and what this, I remember what he said, he said, you know, we're praying with for it and family devotions that God will provide it in a miraculous way. I want to demonstrate to my children that God can provide our needs. He, did, he said, I'm not sending out a letter stating I need X thousand dollars for a new refrigerator. I'm making my request to God. God knows my needs. God can move somebody's heart. You know, that was Hudson Taylor's philosophy. He made his request to God. And God always supplies. Sometimes they was down to nothing to eat when the supply came. So fathers transmit the experiences of knowing him. Then, then thirdly, young men, remember your power. Now, it might sound kind of odd, but notice verse 14. 
I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Now, in verse 13, it also says that the young men have overcome the wicked one. Now, as we think about young men, Strong's concordance describes young men as a youth, and then it has in parentheses, under 40. So, you know, Robert, you and I are out. We're not young men. Young men. You know, in Matthew 16, 5, it says this, And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting at the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were frighted. And, you know, I don't know if angels only appear as young men. I guess we're out again, Robert. Uh, but anyway, these were angelic beings that appeared, angels that appeared, and they appeared as young men under 40. In 2 Samuel 2.14, Abner said to Joab, this was when, when uh, after Saul died, let the young men now arise and play before us. And Job said, let them arise. Now, these were the young men of fighting age. They were the ones that were going to do the fighting. Normally, Joab and Abner didn't necessarily do the fighting. They did the ordering of the battle. They were the generals. So these are the, the when it says young men, we're talking about, you know, you compare that to society, young men of fighting age. Prime fighting age. And I don't think they'd want me... In the military, you know, I'm a few years too old. Um, not that I wouldn't be willing to fight, but I don't think they'd want me. But anyway, so he'd be a young man that he would send off to war. And he says, ye have overcome. The word overcome is used of one by, who, by Christian constancy and courage, keeps himself unharmed and spotless from his adversary's devices. Solicitations, assaults. That is the devil. In other words... He has been strong in battle. He has overcome. He's been victorious in battle. He's been tempted, but he's been victorious. The word strong, he says, you are strong. It speaks of, a, of, of living beings, strong either in body or mind, mighty, valiant, of one who has strength of soul to sustain the assaults of Satan. You know, the, the fathers, appropriately to their age, are characterized by knowledge. Young men, appropriate to their age, by activity in conflict. They're the fighting age. The key to remember here is the source of strength to overcome. The source of your strength to overcome. And that source is remembering the training of the use of the sword. You know, in, in military, the source to help you overcome is to, to, to remember the training and the use of your weapons. You need to know how to use your weapons effectively if you're going to be victorious in battle. I remember my son saying it sometimes, you know, some of the, some of the guys that came in and he said what they're going to be is, is targets on the battlefield because they didn't apply themselves. No, you need to learn, learn how to use the sword. Verse 14, and here's the sword. Verse 14, I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you. The word abideth 
means is defined as something has established itself permanently, permanently within my soul, and always exerts power in me. So it's something that's, that's permanently established in me, and it exerts power. And it says, the word of God abideth in you. This is your strength. This is your, this is the, the, your, your ability to overcome. You know, a soldier in battle has his weapon as a permanent fixture, a permanent source of power. Young men, young women, you may think you are physically strong, mentally strong, emotionally strong, and prepared for a fight. But you must remember, we're not fighting with flesh and blood. but with principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. And the Bible talks about the wiles of the devil. When Martin Luther wrote that song, um, I can't even remember the title of it, Mighty Fortress of God. His craft, and those words say, his craft and power are great. Armed with what? Cruel hate. That's the enemy we face. And you and I in the flesh are no match. No. You might say, well, you're old. I'm telling you, you as a young person are no match. I don't care how strong you think you are. For the craft and power of the devil. What you need is that sword that's sharper than any two-edged sword. That is the Word of God. It needs to be abiding in you. You know, the, the eternal, incorruptible Word of God that liveth and abideth forever. It is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And it needs to abide in your heart and in your mind. You fill your heart and mind with it every day. So that you may overcome. Make it a permanent fixture if you want to be an overcomer, to overcome sin, if you want to have spiritual strength, if you want to walk with God. You know, Colossians 3, 16 and 17 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in the psalms and hymns and spiritual song, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Your Jesus said in John six sixty three, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They are alive, active, animated, powerful. Now the reason some of you may struggle is you don't put it in your heart. You don't meditate it on day and night because you don't want to obey it. You want to do your own thing. But if you want to be strong like some young men, if you want to be victorious, if you want to be content and happy as some young men, the secret is not really a secret. It's a matter of will you fill your heart and mind with the Word of God? Will it abide in you? Will, it, will you make it a permanent fixture in your life? By the way, this has nothing to do with age. The only reason fathers can know 
by experience and and go through the Lord, valleys with the Lord and be victorious as they have the Word of God abiding in your heart. What was Joshua's secret to success? God told him that he was to meditate day and night. Let this book of law not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Be of good courage, have not I commanded thee. This is vital, Joshua. If you want to conquer the land, you've got to meditate day and night in the Word of God. See, it isn't a secret. The secret of our power is the word of God abiding in us. See, we need to remember. We need to remember. Little children, remember, your sins are forgiven. You know, one of the things that the devil likes to do is make people doubt. Fill people with doubts. If you've repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, God has forgiven you all your sins. You need to go on and live for Him. Fathers, we need to be passing on Him we have known from the beginning. Instructing the young. Challenging the young. Young men, you need to abide in the Word of God. If you want to be strong, if you want to be victorious, you want to overcome the world, your flesh, and the devil, Abide in the Word of God. Abide in the Word of God. You need to remember what you have in Him. Do you, are you in Him? Do you know Him as your Lord and Savior? Do you know your sins are forgiven? You need to remember what your strength is. Also, it's not in me. For in my flesh doth no good thing. So I would challenge you today. Little children, you fathers, you young men that like to fight, remember. Remember, our strength and our victory is in Him. Our confidence is in the Lord, and we must trust in Him.